Does it make sense to go to a podcast conference? Is it worth it? Welcome to the Grounded Content Podcast. I'm your host, Marion Abrams. I'm going to take you with me to PodFest Expo 2022 in Orlando. Think of it like a vlog, but without the video. You'll get to hear from the show floor at PodFest and from the elevator and from the coffee shop and from the Uber on the way to the airport. And you said something that really struck me, which is podcasts can no longer stand alone. Can you explain what you mean by that? You'll get information about your content and your content strategy from YouTube experts, live streaming experts. Podcasters, I think they should be doing video on YouTube and they should do it live to tape while multi-streaming. Home studio experts, podcast network experts, storytelling experts. And at the end of the episode, I will share a wrap up of my biggest takeaways from the event, what I learned and what it's got me thinking. The format of this episode is kind of a creative experiment for me. I was having fun with it, and I want to know if it works for you. Okay, here we go. We're starting in Vermont. Starting route to Manchester, Boston Regional Airport, MHT. Okay, long term, lot is closed. So car to plane to Uber to hotel. I got checked in, and then I went to check out the conference. And the first time I got my microphone out at the conference was when I ran into Tom Schwab of Interview Valet. And you'll see why I had to get him on tape right away. So, Tom Schwab, what did you just tell me? The interview I did with you was one of my favorite interviews. So I've been on over 1,200 shows, right? And what really stood out with it was that you pushed back. You asked questions. You didn't just agree with everything I did. And it made for a much better conversation. And by your questions, I had to think more deeply on it and explain it more deeply. And, you know, that's what conversation should be, not just asking the next question and the next question. So thank you for that. What's your biggest piece of advice for a podcaster or a content creator? Have a real conversation. The world doesn't need more BS. As you can guess from his comments about my amazing interview skills, Tom was a past guest on this podcast, Grounded Content. If you want to hear more about being a guest on podcasts from Tom or about getting more guesting opportunities, that is a good episode to go back and listen to. Now, if you have heard any of my coaching or my talks or you listen to this podcast a lot, you have probably heard of my process, which is the five P's. And the first of those P's is purpose, that pragmatic purpose. What are you trying to get out of your show or your content? In the line at the coffee shop, I started talking to Edward Panis. He and his wife have a podcast called Selling Sarasota. And he was explaining to me what they get out of their show, how they use their show, and how the number of listens is really not their most important metric. And I thought, this is exactly what I'm always telling people. This is a great example of getting clear on that first P. And so I asked him to share that information with you. On average, we get 50 to 100 listeners a a week. But it doesn't matter because the audience size, we've probably made since 2018 because it's to to promote her real estate business and commissions are good when you can bring them in yourself. When you bring a customer to yourself, we've probably made 50 to $60,000 directly from the podcast. The size of the audience is not, not relevant, right? It's not relevant at all. It's Because it's, for us, un, unlike a lot of real estate podcasts, they're focused on investors and things like that. We're focused on, we were early in the game as far as being focused on customers. But the problem is customers are a moving target in real estate. They're only going to listen to our show when they're looking to buy a house, looking to sell a house. Once they've sold or bought, they're out of our market. Yet, those customers, one, they're 
super qualified customers. You know, they come to us, they want to do business with us. Did you catch that? 50 downloads a week and making money, successful, making profit because this show is perfectly targeted. Only people who are interested in buying a house or listing a house are listening to the show. And those are the customers they need. Next, I'm going to bring you Glenn Hubbard. Glenn is also known as Glenn the Geek, and he's the owner of the Horse Radio Network. He's one of the original podcasters. He's hosted over 5,000 episodes. He hosts one of the longest running daily podcasts in the world. Think about that. 5,000 episodes. Glenn was speaking on a panel, and he said a couple of things that really caught my attention, and I asked him to share them with you. The content is the most important part of a magazine or a corporate culture, right? But it's not the most important part of a podcast. The most important part of the podcast is the host. People come for the content for a podcast, but they stay for the host. They aren't hanging around if they don't like the host. If the host is boring, if they just don't like the host, they're not hanging around. So we always preach your host is your most important thing. You can work on the content, right? Content has to be good, but you have to have the right host By the way, the host also represents your brand. They are now the most important part of your brand because they're the voice of the brand. And the voice of the brand is more important than anything you have in writing because it's very personal and people hear it, they absorb it. It's it's taken in on a whole different level. So that voice, that host has to be passionate, has to believe in it, has to be entertaining, has to be fun, and has to represent your brand. So put more time into the host than you do the content in the beginning. The content will come after you find the right host. That is, that is like so right on, so yeah. right on. And what were you just saying? Um, you were just on a panel, and what were you saying about what, what happens with the magazines too often? Well, the magazines tend to dump it on uh, somebody that works in the office, you know, and they think the person's going to have a good personality. The problem is they've got 50 other things to do. They're not passionate about it. They're doing it because they're told to do it, and it fails because that lack of passion comes through. And it's not that they don't care. It's just that this isn't their passion project, right? So what we recommend with magazines is they hire somebody outside, somebody that's a freelance writer, uh, somebody that's connected with the magazine in some way. So a lot of times in our case, it might be a clinician who writes articles. It doesn't have to be somebody that works there. It just has to be somebody that believes in what you do that can be passionate about talking about that topic. And that's where I think the mistake comes in. And that's why they fail so rapidly. Thank you. Most of what I do and what a lot of people I talk to do at these podcasting conferences or other similar conferences is talk to people in the hallways, in the coffee shops, in the mixers, at lunch and in between sessions. But I do attend some of the sessions, too. And I have never found a session or a conversation where I don't learn at least one thing that is going to help me. David Allen Moss, the chief creative officer at Evergreen Podcasts, was on a panel and said, podcasts can no longer stand alone. So David, I was just in your session and you said something that really struck me, which is podcasts can no longer stand alone. Can you explain what you mean by that? Well, you know, I think we need to build them in the, in the stream of all the other brand touch points, the, the other brand marketing that already exists. And how does it complement that? How does it work with that? Can we take the content as content marketers and, you know, divide it out across those other things that already exist? It can't just be this freestanding agent of change. You need to act, well, because it's integrated marketing. We really have to think about all of the pieces of that puzzle before we say this is the way the podcast is going to um, propel our brand, right? Even if we're just a thought leader, we're already doing all these things. What's our website doing? What are we doing out on the speaker circuit? And where does the podcast fit in? So 
as creatives, we have to be kind of holistic and study. We really got to get to know that brand before we make any recommendations. So my, my favorite term is virtuous cycle, right? Yeah. And, um, but you, I think you gave an example in there. Can you think of an example that might help listeners kind of understand what you, what you mean by that? Well, you know, one of our top branded clients is Jim Maroos in the show called Banking Transformed. And he appears on a number of shows. He goes to a number of trade shows. He does virtual webinars. He's a part of a, a group called The Financial Brand, where they have this website and newsletter. And it's all top thought leaders in that banking space, innovators. And so it was just a natural for him to get into podcasting. And now that he's been doing that, he's pushing that back into his own video programming. And he's able to offer it to all of his colleagues and clients um, as a sideline, uh, you know, he's able to charge for some of this uh, media now. So he's created a publish. He's had a publishing mindset. It's not just podcasting. It's all of those types of uh, media that he's publishing. And I think that's a good way to go. If you can manage it, if you can build a team around you, because you can't do it. It's hard to do that as a single person. Believe it or not, that was all day one. And day one isn't even over yet. Later that same day, I talked to Darren Sutherland, the CEO and president of BG Ad Group. His website describes him this way. Darren Sutherland's energy is plum contagious. He does everything like his hair is on fire. I'm not sure I agree with that completely. He seemed pretty mellow to me, but maybe that's a North-South thing. Anyway, I love that description. He's a great storyteller and an effective storyteller. And that's what I asked him about. I heard you today yes, in a panel that was about branded content. Right. And you were talking about how to convey a story effectively right. in a very short amount of time. Yeah. How do you do that? You know what? You got to know what you're talking about, number one. And here's, you, you caught me off guard, so I'm going I'm to I'm ramble for just a second, all righty, while I'm thinking about this. In the South, we're storytellers. We give stories three different ways very, very quickly. And it's just a gift that we've, we've had for culturally for years. You've got to get to the point, number one. You've got to convey your process, number two. And you've got to finish rather quickly. All right. So for those that don't come from the South, that don't have this natural ability, yeah. how, do you, how do you do that? How do you tell a story? What do you think about when you want to get a story across? I mean, I think what you said was the best way to kind of to make a sale or to, to you know, change your customer behavior, right, right, is through story. Right. So how do you, what do you do? I know it's sort of intuitive for you, but how do you make things into a story? You know what? You've got to figure out where you're going with the story from the time you start your conversation, okay? One thing about Southerners are they talk over each other, okay? So you've got to get your point across very, very quickly. So you've got to know where you're going to end before you ever start. And if you know where you're going to end when you start, you can get to the end very, very quickly. So did you know where you were going just then? Because it kind of seemed like you didn't. You know, no, I didn't actually. But did it make sense? <laughs> Like, I feel like every, every conversation you have is full of stories, yeah. right? H how do you get those stories? I know it's intuitive for you. It's probably really hard to say. You're going to laugh when I tell you this, okay? Um, my, my education, not only my formal education, but, but a, as a child, I was on drugs. And I tell people, they say, well, what do you mean you was on drugs? I was drugged to church every time the door was open in the South. So... I heard stories after stories after stories from from pastors and Sunday school teachers and this, that, and another, and they conveyed a certain way they talked. So 
a lot of my ability comes from that culture and that history. So I'm able to take, you know, an opening, three points, and a close and put it all together intuitively because that's just the way I've, I've always heard it all my life. And, you know, you, you learn to talk like that. You read, you know, you, you write your papers like that when you're in English class, when you're in high school and college, and it just over time comes out. You know, one of my greatest gifts is I'm a creative guy, and I can come up with creative stuff. The curse of that is I'm also a sales guy, okay? And a lot of people don't have both of those things. One's on one side, one's on the other. But I've been able to take both sides and kind of morph them together and build a story. I love history. I love trying to decipher why people did what they did during that time period. I'll give you an example. When I read the Bible and I read a biblical story, I don't only read what's going on in the Bible. I envision what's going on around that person that that writer's describing so I can get a better understanding of what they actually went through. It's the same thing when you're creating a brand for a client. That's great, yeah, because it's all about what how they're experiencing, right? right? Speaking into their experience. Right. You're, you're exactly right. I mean... You know, it, it, there, there's, there's, we don't, it's real easy to jump to conclusions in this world. We live in a world that we jump to conclusions, but everybody's got a story that they love to tell. So I like telling them. Don't worry. The interview with Roberto Blake is coming, where he talks about what podcasters should be thinking about in terms of live streaming and YouTube, but we're not there yet. We're just ending day one. I skipped the after party and spent time in the lobby, long conversations with hilarious people. I ended up hanging out with Darren and David and Sherry from Meditation WTF Podcast, Pat, the CEO of Pod Inbox, and other great people. I'm sorry I'm not mentioning everyone because I can't remember all the names. These are the people whose cards I have in front of me. Eventually, at what was late for me, but early for big city people, I headed back to my room and went to bed. And now we begin day two. I had my quiet coffee by the pool and now I'm heading back up to my room to start working on the talk. I've got two presentations today, one on podcast video editing and one called Grow Your Show. Data will tell you what your audience wants. So back in the room, I do a couple of last timed run throughs. So there's a lot of different vocabulary out there, a lot of ways that we talk about data and a lot of ways people frame their numbers. But we need to know when we're looking at our own data exactly what we're seeing. So I want to first remind you that, um, you know, some people will talk about their downloads and they'll talk about their total downloads. Well, that's all the downloads that that podcast has had since it started, right? That's not how many people listen every week or to any one episode. I did a couple of run-throughs. I felt pretty good, pretty ready, pretty fried, though. And I decided to take a break and head back to the conference floor. And I was very fortunate to run into Roberto Blake. Now you finally get to hear his wisdom. He is one of my favorite educational content creators who is out there talking about YouTube. And since he's a YouTube expert, and since we were at PodFest, I asked him how podcasters should be thinking about using YouTube in their podcast strategy. So I'm super lucky. Roberto Blake agreed to give us a little bit of his knowledge. And so, Roberto, we're here at PodFest. Can you tell me a little bit about what podcasters should be thinking about when they're thinking about YouTube? Uh, That's a great question. So in general, 
podcasters have had the advantage of distribution when it comes to audio for a very long time, but they aren't thinking about uh, distribution and multiple platforms when it comes to video. And I think that part of the reason is they feel intimidated by the prospect of all the extra work that that would usually entail. But I think something smart to do when it comes to podcasters, I think they should be doing video on YouTube and they should do it live to tape while multi-streaming. And I think that they should use something like StreamYard. Yes, I am sponsored by StreamYard. But whatever you want to use, you should multi-stream to a couple of different platforms to take advantage of that and advantage of discoverability, notifications, all those things, and also extra monetization opportunities. So you should do distribution in video by filming your podcast live to tape by doing YouTube live streams. If you get monetized, your audience can donate during the live stream, so that's beneficial, and you get ad revenue on the replays. And so those are things that I did with my podcast. Uh, I also, by multi-streaming to Facebook, Facebook pays me in their bonuses program just for hours of being live. And so if I do 30 hours in a month, then I make an extra $1,500 on my podcast on top of everything I get in donations and YouTube and ad revenue. Uh, the multi-streaming opportunities there are great. And then for the podcasters that prioritize audio, you get to just, if you use something like StreamYard, you get to download the audio anyway. You can do your edited, polished version, but there's also people who might want to participate in the live audience. You could also do perks like doing a Q&A after the live recorded show. You could do a Q&A and that's something that's for live members only. You could cut that out of the audio-only experience but still promote it there so that you have an incentive for people to be part of the videos, like, you know, oh, live studio audience type situation. And those give you – so that makes it a, like, a treat there and makes it like – adds a level of exclusivity. I would say something for the different format on top of video itself because then it's like it's extra content built in. And then with video, you have the opportunity, obviously, of clip shows and repurposing, and you should be doing that and distributing it to multiple platforms. So I don't think it's ultimately that much effort if you use the live-to-tape strategy, because I understand how intimidating editing a video podcast would be, but if it's live and it's performed, then it's performed live-to-tape, kind of like radio. Since podcasting replaced radio anyway, it makes sense, but you're getting the benefits of video and live streaming and multi-streaming and monetization and distribution on video. And so that's the thing that I think most people in the podcasting space are taking for granted is just everything that video can amplify for a podcaster. So from the live point of view, right, if, if somebody has been podcasting and they've never done video, are there things about launching a live that they should be keeping in mind, like in terms of, you know, the best way to do it from a YouTube point of view? That's a great question. Um, one thing is it's better to at least do your lives um, somewhat scheduled, even if it's just 30 minutes to an hour in advance. But the longer you schedule it, the more promo opportunity, so on and so forth. And it gets your audience um, active and aware. It's, and it's also with YouTube, you get good data. And so you can know when your audience is active, aware, and awake. Um, that's something I always say, active, aware, and awake. It's like, oh, when's the best time to post? When's the best time to post? When's the best time to stream? When your audience is active, aware, and awake. It's like, so that's an easy one to remember. And YouTube can help you with that and analytics from that standpoint. So in terms of like a best practice, like I said, one of the best practices is just scheduling because then you have people waiting on you. And so then you're not feeling like, oh, I'm streaming to nobody and everything like that. But even if you are, again, you're milking the production, you get the replay value. It's just an add-on because you have to record a podcast. You have to sit there and you have to record it anyway. By recording it live to tape, even with mistakes and all in front of the live audience, there's the opportunities that come from that. 
and the double dip versus just, oh, I'm just doing audio and everything. Yeah, it can feel lower pressure to do audio only and then edit it to perfection. But I feel like live to tape will also just make you a better podcaster, better performer, better speaker. It also give you a deeper overall connection with your community and your audience. So I think that the upsides drastically outweigh the downsides, and I don't think it's actually that much more work. All right, one last question, and then I'll let you get out of the sun. Thank you so much for making time for me. I really appreciate this. So when you talk about multi-streaming, I know you mentioned Facebook. Is that the best platform? What about LinkedIn? Are there other platforms that you think people... Twitch, I don't know. Where should people be multi-streaming? Well, Twitch if you end up being affiliate or partner has a exclusivity clause. So that kind of uh, takes off the table when it comes to the monetization upside of multi-streaming. Uh, Facebook does not. So obviously Facebook, LinkedIn Live is one that I do as well. And then Twitter, but I also have a following in Twitter. But the good news with Twitter, for me at least, is that it also lets me just get more notifications out. And that's the other thing is if people don't have notifications on one app, they might get more of them in another. And so... Uh, those are the, the advantages. So again, in terms of platforms, I'd say YouTube, Facebook, you could also multi-stream into a Facebook group if you have them or are part of them. Um, so uh, YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn Live, and Twitter uh, primarily, I think, are the best uh, platforms when it comes to multi-streaming. Again, Twitch could be good, but not if you want to be affiliate or partner because of the exclusivity clauses. That's awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, Roberto has a ton of very cool and useful informational programs, free stuff, paid stuff. So where should they find you? Actually, I do have a book on content creators uh, that is releasing in August, August 22nd. You can pre-order it now on Amazon. It's called Create Something Awesome, How Content Creators Are Profiting from Their Passion in the Creator Economy. And so you can get that right now through Amazon um, pre-order. There will be a print and audio version coming out um, later this year, but the book releases August 22nd. I will be buying it. Thank you. And then full circle, back at the airport, going through security, flying to Vermont, finding the car in the parking garage, starting it up and heading home. So what were my biggest takeaways from PodFest 2022? What did I learn? Well, first, there's all the stuff that I included in this episode. There's Tom Schwab's thoughts about what makes a great conversation. That is entirely true. I support that idea. There's Edward Panis, who was a great example of getting clarity on that first P, what your pragmatic purpose is for your show or your content. Are you trying to get clients? Do you want to sell sponsorships? Are you growing your email list or selling your book? Are you serving your community, creating conversations, meeting new people? Get clarity on your purpose for your show or your content. That's that first P. Glenn the Geek, I loved what he said. People come to your content, to your podcast, for the ideas or the information, but they stay or leave for the host, for the personality. Then David Allen Moss from Evergreen talked about the virtuous cycle. Every piece of content should support every other piece of content so that there's a unstoppable vortex of content that is growing and spiraling upward. Darren talked about some of the basics of storytelling. And then Roberto Blake with the idea that streaming is a great way to supplement your podcast with minimal additional effort. 
I really like that idea. And in fact, I will be starting a live show pretty soon. I will be keeping you posted. If you're not already subscribed to my email list, please go to madmotion.com. There's an easy sign up. I don't send much out, usually a once a month wrap up and then a few emails when I do a special workshop or when I launch this live show coming up. Unfortunately, the stuff I recorded in the Uber on the way to the airport was super Janaid. Janaid from Home Studio Mastery. I'm not able to share that because the battery died on my Zoom recorder. There's a lesson. Make sure you have new batteries. I am going to reach out to him and see if I can get him on the podcast for a complete episode. So if you have questions about setting up your home studio, let me know on Twitter at Motion. That's probably the easiest way. So what are the big takeaways from PodFest? Number one, it's worth going. It's worth going to these events because just being in the buzz of ideas, meeting people, hearing how they're executing things, how they're thinking about things, it gets you going and improves your craft. It improves your business. It improves your network. As far as specific lessons, I think there's a lot of excitement around Amazon Live. Live streaming in general is a big opportunity for growth, at least in my knowledge. It's something I'm excited about expanding into. There are more and more tools to support podcasters, from tools that will support your SEO within the podcast apps, tools to set up your own podcast fan page like Pod Inbox, expanded tools within Libsyn, the hosting platform I use, and many of the others. There are so many plug-and-play solutions out there. We no longer have to invent the wheel. And so I guess that's the biggest takeaway. Keep an eye on the trends and the tools and keep a focus on your essential message. Like Glenn said, it's the host that's going to make the show. And that's where the craft of being a great podcast host is so important. How do you interview? How do you start your show? How do you respond? How do you do a call to action? How do you close? How do you engage the audience? That's what it's really all about. That's what will really drive your success. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode of Grounded Content. As always, I would love to hear what you think of this slightly different episode. I may be doing some other experiments coming up in the future. So I really appreciate that feedback. If you like the show, please tell a friend about it. And that's how we grow. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time.